Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Hey, there's this restaurant in the Cleveland area, and it's an Asian restaurant, and it's run by Americans, and I think owned by Americans, but they have this Szechuan eggplant stir-fry that is to die for. They use baby eggplants, and they throw some other veggies in there, and I always get the steamed brown rice. Um, And Gina and I will go there occasionally, but there's some other problems with the restaurant. Um, We went there for two years, and people in the front end, um, they didn't even smile at us. They didn't say hi. Uh, They took you to your seat. And, I mean, we would go in there in and out, and it was just the most unlikable place you could ever go. But every now and then I get hungry for that eggplant stir-fry. No one does it better than them. So we'll go and put up with everything else just for that dish. And uh, yet I just was introduced to another restaurant. This restaurant is in... uh, Beachwood. It's in the Trader Joe Plaza, and Trader Joe just built that brand new store that's in the same area, and and they're in that plaza right next to it. It's called Paladar Latin Kitchen, and uh, it, it's it was the most incredible experience uh, that that I have ever been through. They also have a dish I'll tell you about too, but uh, we walked in. There were two young girls. They were the host and hostesses, and. Uh, they smiled, they greeted us, and it was like we were their long-lost friends, and, hey, have you been here before? And they did some small talk, then they said, where would you like to sit? They sat us down. Then this waiter comes. His name was Amur. He's from Iraq. He's been here about a year. He was one of the best waiters I've ever had in my life. Not, not there too much, but there plenty, you know? And, uh, and then he's so not, he, this is your first time? He brings us a free appetizer. It was amazing. What an amazing experience. And every time we go back, I mean, I tell everybody I know, you've got to try this restaurant. And we've been back. We've taken two couples. And last night and Saturday night service, after I said, we've taken two couples. There, People were saying, can we be the third couple um, to, to come with you? And uh, it's a Latin American food. So it's Central America, South America. They have all those meats, the way they cook them. And uh, uh, they have homemade guac and homemade salsa. It's just an amazing amazing menu, but every time we've gone, it's exactly the same. I've had other waiters, waitresses, it's exactly the same. We have a go-out budget, so I'm always sad when it runs out halfway through the month. Then I have to wait till, uh, I have to wait two weeks to get back there. And they have this dish, um, and and, and I've gotten it every time. I'll probably get it for the next five years. It's the only thing I'll get. It's called coconut curry vegetable stew. And it's not curry like the Indians would do, and uh, it's, it's more uh, totally different. And I, I just, I wrote the ingredients down. I, I didn't want to just tell you one of them. But it's sweet potatoes, zucchini, bell peppers, onions, pinto beans. And then it's on, on steamed brown rice. And it's the curry. The first time I bit into this dish, I thought the rapture came. <laughs> you know, because the Bible says when, when we go up to be with Jesus, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb where we all sit down. And, and heaven's going to have to have incredible food. And I thought the rapture came because this is the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. And so I I just go back and get it every time. But here's what I want to talk about today. There's a principle I want to talk about, and it's a very important principle. What makes the uh, Sichuan eggplant restaurant unlikable versus what makes Paladar Latin Kitchen likable? 
because it's very important for churches to be likable and for us as Christians as we go into the world as students as uh, adults it's very important for us to be really likable so we want to we want to have some fun with that today and this is the start of a two-week series and I'm really excited about this series it's titled fan friend follower and we're going to have a blast with this series and uh, what I want to do in this series is cast vision uh, the vision of Believers Church, and here's our vision. Most of you know it. You hear us say it. We exist to see a city connected with God, and what Joe shared at offering, you know, when I think 32 people in the last two weeks giving their hearts to Jesus for the first time, we're, we're, we're doing that. It's really, really exciting, guys, and uh, it, it's an amazing thing, and when I think about connecting people with God, there's two things. Every human being has to connect with God the first time, and the only way to connect with him the first time is through Jesus. You, you have to give your heart to Jesus. That's the first connect. But then after you connect the first time, once you're a Christian, we keep connecting as we grow and as we mature and we just become more passionate followers of Jesus. Now, if you would have asked me 10 years ago if this was possible, I would have told you no. 10 years ago, I thought there were churches to mature Christians, then there were churches to bring people into the kingdom, and they, they were just, they could never mix. You have to be one or the other, but that's not true. We have done something here. It's like a magic sauce, and the Bible talks about how to have it, and we'll see what, what hap makes it happen today and next week, but we have a church where we're able to bring new people to Christ by, by I mean, it's amazing, by the hundreds and hundreds, but yet we're able to take Christians and mature them at the same time. I am so excited about what's happening here. So that, that's our vision. We exist to see a city connected with God. Every vision needs a mission statement. And uh, your mission statement is the how-to to accomplish your vision. Experts tell you make it really, really simple. It needs to be something that's as simple as can be. People need to be remember it. And I remember when we first started the church, our mission statement was like four paragraphs, you know. No one could ever remember it, but you learn and you grow. So here's our mission statement, guys, as a church. This is how we're going to uh, cause people to connect uh, w with God, uh, and it's real simple. It's fan, friend, follower. Is there anyone in this room that can't remember that? Fan, friend, follower. And here, here's how it works, all right? Um, uh, coming to God, connecting with God is a process. So the first process is becoming a fan, and then a friend. That's when you actually meet Jesus, and then a follower. And we're going to show you how to do that. Next week, we're going to talk about friend and follower. And listen, two weeks ago, I talked about following Jesus. We must obey and follow in our series, Me, Myself, and I Am. I want you to know that next week will not be a rerun. Um, I'm going to hit it from a totally different angle, and I'm going to hang out, spend a lot of time on friend, because that's really, really important. I'm going to talk about the different levels of friendship with Jesus. We're going to have a blast. Today, we're going to talk about fan. And a fan is someone that's not yet a Christian, but when you mention God, they say, yay, I believe he exists. They haven't met Jesus yet. Uh, they can be religious, even go to a church, but they haven't met Jesus. Or they can be atheist and agnostic. Whoever they are, whoever they are on the other side, they can be moral people who haven't met Jesus. They can be crazy sinners that haven't met Jesus. Anybody in between. Our, our goal is to turn them into fans. As Christians and as churches, that's part of the process. So we want to be a church, and I want you to be Christians that are creating fans. We want to make sure uh, people begin to like God. So something has to happen with us. And when I think of Paladar Latin Kitchen, and I think of Szechuan Eggplant Restaurant, 
I think one understood some principles, one doesn't understand some principles, and one's part of a big chain, not a big chain, but uh, the Latin restaurant, there's two other ones in major cities, so, you know, they have their act more together, and the Asian restaurant's just a standalone, and they just need to understand some things, and I think churches are this way. Um, some churches, you could say the pastor does a great job, but, but they're just not likable because of other things that are happening. But boy, he, he serves a good meal. That was a good meal. I want our church not only to serve good meals, I want us to be likable. And I think we're a very likable church. I just think in God we can always go to the next level. Uh, we'll always be able to grow until Jesus comes back. So here's what I want you to walk out, never forgetting. And uh, I want you to grow and understand this better. I think all of us will walk out today saying, I, I get it. And here's what it is. Likeable people like people. In order to create fans, you have to be likable. Paladar restaurant is likable. Uh, and if we're going to create fans, as a church, we have to be likable. And I'll show you what makes it happen. But you as an individual, as a Christian, you want to become more and more likable. And the route to being likable is to like people. If we like people, people will like us back. We become very likable. And... This is something as Christians, we have an advantage over someone that's not a Christian because when you accepted Christ, guess what God did? He put his very nature inside of you and you have the nature of love inside of you and love takes liking to a whole nother level. So we have this advantage that a non-Christian doesn't have. So we can really like people at a much higher level. And I'm going to show you how that works and what we can do and we're going to have a blast. But I thought... Let's give, a, let's give everybody a test. You ready? This test will take about 60 seconds. And I don't want you to feel condemned as we give you this test. But they call it the waiter test. And uh, here's how it works, all right? So take the test with me. No one else is going to know your score. Maybe your mate will, but nobody else will know the score. And, and uh, it goes like this. Imagine you're walking into a new restaurant you've never been into. You sit down, and the waiter slash waitress comes to your table. How do you treat them? That's the waiter test. Um, uh, are they there just to serve you? Is that, that it? Or do you smile? Do you greet them? Do you ask them their name? How is it that you treat them? Uh, as they come back and forth, if you need something that wasn't right with your food, how is it that you treat them? And the idea is, if you treat them well, you are a likable person. You like people. And if you don't treat them well, don't feel bad because this is something we can grow in. I had to grow in it. All of us can grow in it. But it's just a good test to ask yourself. Because you know what? In God's eyes, every person, even the person waiting on your table, is valuable. And Jesus loves them. And Jesus wants us to come to a place to where we see everybody is valuable. We treat nobody different. And some of you are very likable with your friends. But then you get outside of your friends... And, 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 and you just don't think about people. And that's because we're human beings. I stand before you as the worst at that. I had to grow. And only through Christ have I been able to grow. So if I can grow, I think all of us can grow. UCLA, uh, they did this likability study. And, and here's what they found out. It's, it's a really cool study. There's three points to it. And it goes like this. I get so far ahead of my notes without looking. Okay, here, here it is. Uh, likability is not inherent means you're not born being likable. And, and that's exciting because I was not born. My mom liked me and not too many other people that got to know me liked me. 
I wasn't likable because I was very selfish, self-centered. Uh, and then here's the second point. Likeability has nothing to do with being attractive, super social, or talented. When I saw that, I smiled. I said, thank you, Jesus. And uh, uh, it, it, none of that matters. None of that matters. And think about it. How many of us know someone that's very attractive that's not likable? How many of us know someone that's super social that's not likable? And how many of us know people that are really talented in one area or another that, not, that, that are not likable? Why aren't they likable? They, they may be likable with their closest friends, but why aren't they likable if you run into them and they don't know you that well? And sometimes they're not even likable with their friends. The reason's really simple. They don't like people. <laughs> they, they just have not grown in that area of their life. And so I'm excited that it has nothing to do with any of those things. And then here's number three. Likeability is the result of learned emotional intelligence. They call that your EQ. And uh, I have a story that's going to help you remember this. But you know what I love in that statement? I love the word learned. <laughs> that means we can learn it. We can grow in it, right? And uh, it's really exciting. So years ago, a couple began to come to our church. His name was uh, Moyer. Her name was Tammy. Their last name was Donaldson. And uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about him. It adds to the story. Um, he grew up on the south side of Chicago, really, really rough neighborhood, terrible schools, and he had a full ride to West Point Military Academy, a very bright young man, and he went through West Point, then he graduated, he went into Army Intelligence, and he spent 10 years uh, as an officer in the Army, and then he decided to go into the secular uh, arena, so he goes to Harvard, and he obtains an MBA, incredible degree even more incredible from Harvard. You've got to be a brainiac to get in there. He obtains that degree from Harvard, and then he goes to work for Alcoa, a Luneman. They send him here to want run the Alcoa Luneman plant that was in Warren at the time. And so they're looking for a church. They find us. Him and I became best friends. And I remember the senior year uh, that uh, Maurice Claret was at Harding High School. Him and I went to, I think it was every single game, to watch uh, Maurice Claret play for Harding. And uh, we became very tight. And one day he said this to me. Here's what he said. He said, Pastor Joe, he said, you're not a brainiac. That means I'm not real smart academically. <coughs> and his body language was really positive. He goes, you're not a brainiac, but your emotional intelligence is off the charts. So now I feel really dumb because I've never heard of emotional intelligence <laughs> and I don't know what it is. So, so I have to say, uh, Moyer, being that I'm not a brainiac, uh, what's emotional intelligence? And he put me at ease. He said, oh, this is a new study, a new science. He said, I just read a book. And he always had a book about two inches thick, always in his hand. If he was waiting two minutes, he'd start reading that book somewhere. And I always carried a book, but they were comic books, and they just weren't, they weren't <laughs> comparable, you know. So uh, he told me, I read about this, and he said, it's really, it's really deep. And uh, he says, there's a lot of aspects to it. And since then, I've done research, and I've read up on emotional intelligence. But here's what he told me, and this is what I want you to remember, all right? He said, the foundation of emotional intelligence is having a love and a care for people. That's what enables us to grow our emotional intelligence. And that causes us to interact with people and be very likable with people. So he told me, he goes, when you preach... He said, you can correct us and we thank you for it. He goes, I don't know how you do that. He says, but you're able to do it. He says, I watch you. And, and I said, Moyer, listen, I wasn't born that way. That's why I love the word learned. I said, all of that comes not from how I was born, 
I've made a dedication to God that I'm going to love people like Jesus loves people. And it makes you likable. Likable people like people. Jesus talked about this. He said a lot about it. And there's one famous scripture where he talked about it. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And remember what Jesus said? You are the light of the world. And he said, shine your light. And here's what Jesus was saying. There's only one way people will ever know who God is. There's only one way people will ever know what God's like. And it's through us, the Christians, and through our churches. That's the only way people will ever come to know what God's like. God has chosen you to display him to the world. And that's pretty exciting. And some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, I don't know if I'm qualified. And I want to say to you, if you've met Jesus, you are qualified. We can all grow together. We can come, become better and better at this. But Jesus talked about it. So I'm going to read uh, those verses but I'm going to read them out of the Message Bible because some of us have heard them in the NIV, the King James. We've heard them so many times, it's kind of like we shut it off when we hear them read. So I want to read it from a different perspective. Message Bible did an incredible job with this text. And here's how it reads. Here's another way to put it. Jesus is speaking. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. The only way people can know him is by us. God colors are referring to his love, his kindness, his patience, his goodness. It goes on to read, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop and on a light stand, shine. Well, how do we shine? The next verse, man, the next part of this verse. Keep open house. That means open up your life. Be generous with your life. That's all about loving and liking people. And listen to this. Here's why I highlighted this. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This, listen to this. This generous Father in heaven. God is so good. How do, we, how do we cause people to become fans? By displaying God's love and kindness. By being likable. And people begin to say, whoa, if that's how a Christian is, yeah, I want to hear more about what you have to say. That, and they come into church and they experience, our church, our, our volunteers are incredible. They experience this love, this kindness, this likability uh, of people that are here. And, and then they hear from the pulpit, they, they hear God being likable and lovable. It's an amazing thing. And I want to grow in it. All of us can grow in it. But let me tell you where I was uh, the first 20, 22 years that we were a church, okay? Here's something I believe the Bible teaches. I believe the Bible teaches that sometime before Jesus comes back, there's a day when he's coming back. Sometime before he returns to the earth, there's going to be this incredible miracle revival that happens on the earth. And we can't make it happen. God still heals people when we pray, and God does these things. But there's coming a time where God will make it happen worldwide. It's going to be incredible. It will be just like the book of Acts. When you read the book of Acts, uh, the deaf will hear everywhere in mass. The blind will see everywhere in mass. Um, people will be raised from the dead. It's going to be crazy. Why is God going to do it? I call it the great sweep. He wants to sweep as many people into the kingdom. And so years ago, I would say that's the dinner bell. And in order to bring people to Christ, we have to have the dinner bell. So all I thought about was the dinner bell. And, 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 and I neglected this. Then God opened my eyes up, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And he opened my eyes up and said, Joe, that, keep praying for that day. It's going to come. But in the meantime, you don't have to wait. And I had that wait mentality. God's not going to save people till that happens. And, and then I learned, you know what? We can become so likable. We can become so 
light shining of God that we can bring thousands to Christ before that day comes. And I'm telling you, all over America, the world's amazing. Millions are being saved everywhere. China, millions and millions are coming to Christ. But in America, it's the same. There are churches all over America that have gotten this, and they are seeing millions saved a year when we put us all together. God's doing something phenomenal. And many of those churches are like us. They're waiting for that day. It's going to be great. We're praying for people now. But in the meantime, we learn something. Likeable people like people. And if we become likable, if we begin to love and like people at a higher level, then we're going to see more and more people become fans. And fans say, God, I believe you exist. And they're ready to become friends. So I want to take this a little further. This UCLA study, I, they had many points. I took their top five points. And the first three, uh, to me, they're pretty obvious. I want to exhort you just for a moment on, but the, the, the next two, four and five, they're amazing. Number five is where we trip up as Christians. We always trip up on number five, and you'll see what it is uh, as we go. But let's talk about this, this likability. Uh, here's trait number one. Likeable people are positive, and can we all agree we don't want to be around a negative person? Debbie Downer is not the person we, we want to hang out with and spend time with, right? And, and there's some blessing to you. Listen to this. Positive people have more friends. I think that's kind of obvious. That's a Harvard study, but listen to this study. Uh, positive people live on average 10 years longer than negative people, according to the NUN study, capital N-U-N. They did this study called the NUN study, and they discovered that positive people, think about it, they live 10 years longer. How many of us want to live 10 years longer? Isn't that a good reason to become more positive? Absolutely. And now they do all this research with the brain and brain chemicals, and we understand why that is now. Here's trait number two. Likeable people smile a lot. They just smile a lot. And uh, Penn State study found that a smile on your face makes you more approachable. Can we all agree that's pretty much understandable. There was another study, University of California, they said the more people smile, the more creative they are. So if you feel like you want to become more creative, smile, man. Here, here's number three, guys. Likeable people listen. This is really important, especially in the age in which we live. We're all tempted with this, right? But don't you hate it when you're talking to someone and they just start doing the text or, uh, you know, they, they, have to have to, they have to answer a phone call right in the middle of your conversation or they're always looking at their text and Sometimes I just want to grab that phone, just throw it out a window, say, look me in the eyes and talk to me. And then when we're done, you can do whatever you need to do. Now, I'm tempted too, so I just shut my phone off so I don't hear it, because if I hear it, I'm going to be tempted to look at it. But how many of us want people to engage with us? We want to we know they care about us, right? Likeable people listen. And so this is something we all have to grow in. But can you all agree, if you really like somebody, if you care about them, you want to hear what they have to say, right? It's something we can all grow in. And I want to say something just so I don't offend any of you. I was a young Christian, and I was really super offended because I went to a church when I went to Bible school. I was trying out different churches in, in the town where the Bible school was in Oklahoma. And uh, I went to this one church, and I had met this pastor. He came up to our church up here, and he knew me. And so I went to his church, and I, I, I shook his hand, and I said hi to him. It was right after service. And everybody that walked by, he, he, he would stop talking to me and shake their hands. And I'm like, I can't believe this. What a jerk. He, you know, he won't talk to me. And I'm just a young kid, you know, and I'm just upset with him. And now I understand what was happening. In case any of you are ever offended with me, 
when I'm in the lobby, my number one responsibility is to shake everybody's hand. So I love talking, so I'll talk with you, but uh, I might have to say one minute. Some, some weeks I go, one minute. Okay, I'm back. All right, one minute. So, but when I'm not there, I can guarantee you I will focus 100% because likable people like people and they listen. Here's number, here's number four. Um, likable people display empathy. And empathy is just when someone's telling you, hey, this went wrong, that went wrong, uh, they're, they're really hurting, or maybe they're celebrating, uh, you're, you're able to connect with their emotion and you're able to show them that you care. So here, here's something really cool, guys. I was not born with any empathy. God had to grow it in me. And, and, I, and here's another story. I took this test called Gift Quest, and I forget if there are seven or eight gifts that all of us have. Um, so I took it, and then it showed me my strengths, where I had strong gifts, where I had really weak gifts. So my teaching was, I think, 98. Uh, my administrative gift was like 97. Then the only other significant gift was giving. It was 60. And it goes from zero to 100. So uh, those were really good. And then every other gift was like under five. So my mercy gift was three. That's how little mercy I have. And mercy helps you be empathetic. But guess what happened? I'm able to show great empathy because I'm pulling it from the other direction, which is God's love growing inside of me. And every one of us in this room can show empathy, even if we think we can't. Some of you, you were born with the ability to show empathy. Your mercy is so high, and I'm, I'm so proud of you. But I wasn't born that way, so I have to pull it from growing as a Christian, and all of us in this room can do it. Here's the one we trip up on as Christians, number five. It goes like this, likable people aren't judgmental. And man, once you learn the Bible and once you begin to learn scripture and then you begin to live those scriptures, it's so easy to look at someone that's not living them and become really, really judgmental towards them. So understand, I'm not talking about Christians. You know, if someone's a Christian and they're coming to our church and I know them and I see they're living a life that's contrary to the Bible, I'll sit them down and I'll with a smile, I'll, I'll coach them and say, you know, you need to grow in this area. I, I, I will not ignore that. But when someone's not a Christian, I don't expect anything. I don't expect them to live like the Bible says. That's just not expected because they're not a Christian. And I think that's amazing. Uh, listen to this. People who were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus. Why did everybody love him? Do you know he was the most perfect person ever in all the world? He was absolutely perfect. Jesus did everything the Bible said. He never sinned. He never missed it. He was living at a level of holiness that would show all of us that we are imperfect if we could see where he walked. And yet everybody that encountered him, everybody liked him. He was rubbing shoulders with these sinners. Now, the only people that didn't like him were religious people, but every non-Christian living in deep sin liked Jesus. Why? Well, because isn't he the one that said, he that is without sin cast the first stone, right? Jesus knew no matter where we're at spiritually, we don't want to pick up a judgmental attitude. And boy, is that easy for churches to have. You know, if someone walks in uh, dressed a certain way that we think, you know, I wouldn't dress that way. And some of it sometimes is just style and, and culture and flavor. But, you know, we look at where people are at and it can be like, you don't belong here. You have to dress this way before you can come in. And you have to act that way before you can come in. And you can't be that and come into this room. And that is so crazy. That's why one of our core values is 
No perfect people are allowed. That allows me to be here. See, it's a, that's, that's why we have that as our core value. So here's what happens with us as Christians. It's not that we're bad. Listen to 1 Corinthians 8.1. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. That's Bible knowledge. And he goes on to say, but knowledge puffs, puffs up. It makes us proud while love builds up. So what we have to work on is as we learn the Bible, we have to make sure that we grow equally in the love of God because if we don't, we become very proud and kind of religious and judgmental. He goes on to say, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. And here's all he's saying. You may know all kinds of scriptures, but if you can't love people for where they're at and you can't get to a place to where you don't judge them, he's saying you're not spiritually mature yet. That, that's something that's really helped me grow over the years because I tended to be very judgmental as I learned the Bible and I tended to look at people like, man, get right and then come see God, you know, but you got to get your life right. And God's saying the opposite to these people that don't know Jesus. He's saying, come as you are. He's saying, hey, come to church, hang out. And what's our goal? We want to be so likable that we begin to cause them to become fans of God. And then they eventually become a friend of God and accept Christ. And guys, we're doing a great job as a church. I think we're doing exactly what Jesus taught. And I think we're doing exactly what the greatest apostle, the greatest apostle in the Bible was Paul. He wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament. Take a look at what Paul said. This is amazing. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, my last, my last scripture. It reads like this. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and Christ can save him. Isn't that amazing? So here's what Paul says. Whatever a person's like. He says, I don't care where they're at. And Paul ran into crazy heathens living in deep sin because he would go into cities that never even heard about Jesus. So he's going into places where there was all kinds of things going on. And here's what he said. He said, I find common ground. So that's, that's what I've learned to do. I, I just know... Everybody's problems are solved if they meet Jesus. So all I want to do is help them meet Jesus. That's all we want to do. So if I find out someone likes sports, even if they're a Steelers fan, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk sports with them a little bit, you know, talk Steelers with them, uh, tease them a little uh, about that. And, and whatever it is, you find some common ground. And, but our tendency as we learn the Bible, we begin to walk in it is to kind of have a holier-than-now attitude. And God's saying, no, 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 don't do that with the world. Let them feel the love of God. The only way they see God's colors, guys, is through us. And then we can experience what we're experiencing as a church. The very next verse says this, I do this to get the gospel to them, and also for, listen to this, the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. Can we all agree it's a blessing when we hear 32 people accepted Christ last week? When we, have, when we see somebody that we know come into the kingdom of God, can we all agree that's something to get excited about? Can we get excited about it one more time? It's incredible. It's incredible. So, so here's the heart of God, all right? Here, here's, my, here's my prayer. Likeable people like people. I, I know, you guys are already likable, but I know all of us can grow and become more and more likable. And that's my prayer. That was my prayer all week for you. And I believe because I taught this and I laid it out there, God's now going to take those words and he's going to grow all of us. So as you go through your week, man, just, just take note and say, how, how much do I like people? How much do I care about people? And then I would pray this prayer, Lord, let your love 
consume me because it's inside of us. Let it consume me. Let me have your heart for people. And that causes us to create fans like crazy. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every incredible person in this room. Lord, and here, as we just spend a moment right in front of you, this is for all of us Christians. Lord, we're right in front of you. And our heart's cry is make us more likable, which means increase our love for people, Lord. And we thank you for doing that. Lord, we're, we're all born with a desire to care first about ourselves, and that's not wrong, but let us care equally about other people, Lord. Bring us to a place, Lord, where we pass the waiter's test, hands down, and we thank you for doing that in every one of our lives, Lord. Thank you for growing us, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the privilege of allowing us to shine your light in this world. Thank you. Make us better at it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to give one more invitation. If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, you hear us talk about it a lot, connecting people with Jesus. I want to give you a chance to connect like I did, like the majority of people in this room did. You know, I'm not asking you to join our church or a religion. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all important, good things. It doesn't matter if you're a good person or if you're living a bad life. That's how I lived before I met Jesus. It doesn't matter. Here's what matters. Jesus came to save us, to redeem us, to connect us back with God. And he did that by dying on the cross. And Jesus said, whoever believes that, whoever believes in me, he said, I will give them eternal life, wash their sins away, and I will connect them back with my Father. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I've never felt like doing that before, but I'm ready today. I'm ready today to make it personal. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, uh, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You raised up out of that grave that you are my answer. And this day, I give you my heart and I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.